All right, hello everybody, and welcome back to the Changeover Tennis Podcast. You are joining us for episode 21, where we will be talking about how the end of 2021 is nigh. So thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Today we're going to be doing a little bit of a recap on the tournaments that have taken place since the last time Evan and I got together, and we will also be digging into the 2021 ATP Finals, some news, and of course the Moldy Take of the Week. Um, yeah, so that's what we've got in stock for today. I'm Ben, as always, and I'm joined by my cousin Evan. Evan, how's it going? Hello, everyone. Uh, everything's great. Um, excited to be back in the uh, old podcast armchair, talking Nito ATP finals with you. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's jump right in. Evan, I got some statistics for you that I think are going to blow your mind. Um, blow it. What? We have got Never mind. 400, 486 <laughs> plays achieved so far. If I did the math correctly, which is not very likely, I think that's the most plays we've ever had in between episodes, actually, because we have a lot of people tuning in to many different episodes from all over the place. Over 85 plays since the last time we did this, so I think it's a record. So first off, thank you so much to all the people mm-hmm. tuning in, listening to us from all over the globe. Uh, it's great to have you here on the journey. We're really close to our goal of having 500 total plays. And I just wanted to mention here up front that Evan and I from the changeover will, after the 2021 season is done, we will have a few episodes coming out, which will do more um, general tennis topics, some uh, maybe additional points and some things that aren't, of course, related to tournaments that we'll do in the off season. So if you have any suggestions, comments, clarifications, questions, <laughs> you can feel free to email us at the email address in the description. Um, <laughs> I do have to say, Evan, another sad statistic is that yeah. our current email inbox count from subscribers and or listeners remains at zero. Um we just haven't figured that out, quite honestly. We we tried everything in the last podcast, so yeah. if, if you're out there and you're really taking in what we're saying about these these emails, then I just I I don't know. But if you do have any ideas about what we should be discussing or what you're interested in, it'd be really cool to hear from you. Yeah, the uh, listener interaction is is lacking just a touch, but we we do seem to be getting more plays uh, each episode. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Just wanted to echo Ben's. Uh, thanks for everything as we get closer to the end of the year but yeah uh, look out for those kind of uh maybe some different type of episodes here coming up uh maybe we'll do something a little different a little more fun try to spice it up it won't be so much tournament recap but we'll be able to uh i don't know dive into more of the sport holistically which will be a fun topic to talk about so uh yeah thanks again for your listens and uh we look forward to your emails Yes, I totally agree. We're really excited about that. I can't wait to deep dive on some topics because if there's anything that the world needs more of, it's Change Over Tennis podcast deep dive <laughs> analysis on any of these topics. So that's no, going to be that's great. Why you listen. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's what you're telling your friends about at your, you know, dinner dates on the weeknights. And mm-hmm. this is just where you get all the interesting facts about tennis. So, Tournament recaps, Evan. What's happened since we've met 
since the last time. There's actually been quite a lot underway here at the end of the mm -hmm. season. I'm just going to fly through a couple things until we get to Stockholm, where I'm going to stop and no. pause, and we're going to have a short discussion <laughs> on what exactly happened there, because I think you're going to love it. Oh, yeah. And uh, d don't worry, I'm going to fly through these, but I'll give you some time to... to come in and we'll we'll get to the finals think we'll have more discussion there but just as a summary for anybody who has followed it but maybe has forgotten um we had vienna finish up since we've last recorded and there zverev did take out tiafo in the final but great story for tiafo who's had a really good finish to his season he took out Tsitsipas, schwartzman and sinner on the way to making that final and twice he did it um, from being down a set behind so really big wins for for Tiafo, probably one of the biggest of his career, I would say. Um, we also had St. Petersburg and Russia finish up where Chilich um, took out Fritz. So unfortunate for the American there, but really good for the former Grand Slam champion Chilich. Also really good to see two Americans in finals there, more or less simultaneously. It was good stuff. Um, in Paris at the Masters 1000 event, Djokovic got his revenge on Medvedev in the final, took him out in three sets. Uh, but I would say, Evan, in that case, that Medvedev is really becoming one of the first non-Big Five guys to force a rivalry on Medvedev. Uh, sorry, on Djokovic, on one of these other guys. So non-Big Five being... Uh, Rafa, Federer, Medvedev, Vavrinka, or Murray, you know, the guys who have been mm -hmm. defining rivalries as of late. Medvedev seems to be pushing the boundary with Djokovic a little bit there. Um, and now coming to Stockholm, you know, <laughs> officially last tournament of the year, in my opinion, something truly shocking has taken place there, given the history of what we've discussed here on the changeover um certainly your views i think about this particular player and if you've checked out our episode tale of three trains my views as well you know where this train would have been before it's like the one that's rotting in the forest somewhere and what happened was we had tommy paul t pain american winning this whole tournament he won his first title atp 250 you can debate whether or not Chapo played his best tennis. He probably didn't. He kind of collapsed in the third set. Um, but it really interesting is that Tommy Paul beat fellow countryman Fritz. He beat Andy Murray. He beat Tiafo, And then he beat Chapovalov for the title. He also beat, apparently, a relative of Bjorn Borg in the first round. Um, <laughs> which, that in and of itself, the, the mantra is just very strange. So... <laughs> Evan, any any thoughts on the tournaments running into here? Do you share the same uh, shock, or could we call it the Stockholm Syndrome at this point? Are you starting to warm up to Tommy Paul? Are your sentiments changing slowly over time? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I will admit objectively that that is a good run, beating a guy like Murray in an early round, beating Fritz Tiafo, who are playing really well down the stretch here. And then Shapovalov obviously is is never a layup, but um, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm looking at the train. I just don't know if I'm getting on it yet. <laughs> if, you know I'm on that train, Evan. You I know, know you're I on, that train. on that train. I'm waving at you right now. But I I'm a just, hobo. <laughs> <laughs> he ah uh, he. This is the this is the thing about American tennis that gets gets me all riled up. Is that there is so much potential. You see it in Tommy Paul, who can make a run like this. Tiafo, who 
I will say has had by far the best year of his career. So if he can build on this next year, maybe we can see some trajectory come from him, which would be awesome. Um, but it seems like he was just a streaky player at times. Uh, Opelka put in that category as well. They have all this ability, all this talent, and you can see it because they can make these wins, but they cannot streak it together and, and you know, grab multiple uh, late round Grand Slam entries or or multiple titles in a year i don't know but um yeah you know it's good to see him as an american win a title um hopefully he can build on this and and the best is yet to come in 2022 for uh tommy (laughs) c st paul but uh we'll we'll see i remain skeptical i i think that's totally fair i personally liken this to a great example of america or americans ability to reinvent themselves in the face of adversity and to rise from the ashes you could say i think it's pretty remarkable what t-pain has pulled off here though i mean that is that is kind of ridiculous um but like you said it's really cool that in the last couple weeks we have seen actually really good strides from american tennis but in general also from from younger guys across the board so i mean we've got Tiafo making finals. We've got Fritz in there. Now we have Tommy Paul making finals. Um, that's that's progress, no matter how you want to look at it, I think. So that's quite mm-hmm. exciting in any case. And also very exciting is that it's not just, you know, the, um, the up-and-coming 250-500 level tournaments. We also had the next-gen finals that took place. And there we had Seb Korda, another American, making really great progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say playing more like what most of the tennis community and definitely what the changeover, you know, had had hoped at the beginning of the year could be continued. He had a little bit of a rut in the last couple of months, but I thought that was a great way for a quarter to finish off the season, especially given that Alcaraz was playing like a total madman the entire oh, tournament. Like a, <laughs> some of the shot making he was pulling off. I don't know if it's the four, um, the, to play to four game set format or something where he can just keep the intensity really high. But um, man, he, he played an incredible tournament, but it was also great to see Corda make progress there. And I thought he looked really confident. Did you, did you have the same feeling or what was your take from the next gen finals? Uh, you know, I'm big on Corda. I think he is, is an American player that probably has the most potential to break through into what I would consider like elite status, which I would consider like top 10 players elite. Um, Unfortunately, I don't put a lot of other Americans in that same category, but he at least has the potential. So I am watching him very closely and to see him, you know, make finals at a tournament like this and do a couple other great runs during the year at his age is, is very exciting. The way that he plays is just, it's it's different. He he's so much. He looks so much more under control. He has incredible ground strokes. He just the fundamentals are all there. Uh, he 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 just. I I have high hopes for this guy. <laughs> I'm not saying he will um, <laughs> be a multiple Grand Slam winner at this point, but uh, I I'm, it's good to see him produce results. Um, for now, and then also a quick shout out to Nakashima, who actually made the semifinals here. Um, as well as another young American. So we got a couple of guys coming up here, 
Um, and Nakashima had a, had a good year um, overall too, not just at this tournament. So uh, he might be another one to watch. But um, yeah, Alcaraz is a monster. <laughs> and <laughs> what I have seen from him at beating Sitsipas in the U.S. Open, winning this Nito Finals here, makes me believe that he is the real deal. I mean, to the point that I think he will probably be like a multiple, multiple Grand Slam winner. So that was exciting. He he plays like a, yeah, like madman is a good term to call him. He's just so, so crazy. The things he gets to, the the way that he makes you, I don't know. It's just, oh, he's crazy. He's a lot of people liken him to Nadal. He does actually play a little bit differently than Nadal did, but the fact that he's only 18 and he can do these things is is wild. So yeah, yeah watch out. I totally agree. His ridiculous grittiness reminds you a lot of Nadal when you watch him play. His style of play is quite different. I mean, it's mm-hmm. maybe even less defensive and more focused on like shot making and right. offensive mm-hmm. moves. But then he has the defensive skills. He's super fast. He runs down almost everything, and it just seems like he has a relentless positive spirit on the court that no one can break. So I'm with you. It feels like barring some kind of unexpected terrible injury or a mental lapse, which doesn't seem possible given the elite coaching staff he has behind him. Mm-hmm. Boah. I don't know. Watch, watching the Alcaraz quarter match was kind of like looking a little bit into you know the glass the glass ball in the future and saying like, okay, you know, how how is Corda, let alone any of the rest of the up and coming guys, gonna gonna match Alcaraz when he's in his prime? You know, um, so that's that's cool though because we don't obviously know how that's all gonna turn out, but that certainly feels like a young talent in the making when you watch him play. It's just ridiculous some of the stuff he comes up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so really fun stuff happening there in with the younger guys. Evan, what uh, just briefly, what do you make of the format that they use there um, where they are able to use a best of five sets, but they have these shortened play to four sets instead? Um, how mm-hmm. do you perceive that? Um... I don't know. It it is interesting because the sets end so quickly. It seems like you get one break and then it's curtains for that set. You know, it mm-hmm. happens so quickly. Uh, you kind of be on. You got to be on your toes a little bit more. It's tough to you know get back into a set per se. But stretching it out over five does give you that opportunity to where if you lose the first set, you know you've got plenty of time throughout the match to come back and win it. So it's kind of from a mindset perspective. I'm sure it's much different for the uh, players themselves in how they have to approach uh, the match compared to like a traditional best of five. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a viewer, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't have a huge opinion on it. I don't think it's much better. I don't think it's much worse um, (laughs) per se, Um, but it is kind of, nice that they can somehow get matches through quicker and yet still have five sets because i know that's a big sticking point for some players on the tour is you know djokovic has been uh pretty vocal about it is that you know maybe taking the grand slams down to best of three but the easy counter argument to that would be 
well, that's what sets them apart. And that's why, you know, people have to reach another level to try and win those as opposed to maybe a Masters 1000. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's kind of a cool middle ground there. But um, yeah, as a viewer, it doesn't really it change my perspective too much. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point. I kind of feel the same way because I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I think the Grand Slams have enough tradition running with them. There's something, you know, sort of monumental about the format they have there, which is really cool for tennis. Um, but I do like that this one introduces a little bit more of a, an epic aspect to the standard tournament setup. You know, I don't know how they would include this in the future. Maybe it's something that comes in with the tiebreak tens or this Red Bull event. It's just one other format that people could try out. Um, maybe it remains specific to the next gen finals, but I personally think it's cool that you can have, you know, the longer, um, the longer set formats in three of five and have it roll through at about the same pace as a best two out of three, or even something a little bit faster with the four game format. Um, it seemed to make for some really interesting tennis, but I do think it does benefit bigger servers, of course, especially if they're on. Um, sure. Obviously, the less games you have to play there, the less times you have to hold, the higher your probability is that you get, make it through. So it's quite interesting. But um, yeah, switching over, Evan, to the ATP Nitto Finals taking place this year in Turin in Italy, moving on from London. Um, or as we could call it, the Team Europe from Labor Cup Finals, <laughs> considering all the people who are in place. Um, let's transition into this, because this this is now currently taking place. We're kind of catching it in the middle with this episode, and there's a lot of really interesting things happening here. So I'm just going to summarize a few points quickly, and then we can get into a discussion. But um, basically, before, before we recap the structure... Um, it's important to know here that essentially you've got the top eight guys from the whole year based on the last 12 months ranking and performance who can qualify for the finals. And in this case, we've already had um, Berrettini and Tsitsipas have to bail out because of injury. So Berrettini with an abdominal injury, Tsitsipas uh, just recently with, I think, his right elbow. He's having some problems there. And this means that alternates have entered on their behalf, namely Yannick Sinner and Cam Nori. Um, I don't know when the last time two alternates have had to enter was. It's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, what we've already seen so far is that Djokovic is rolling. He's already clinched his group. Same for Medvedev. He's also clinched his group. But um, Evan, we've got a little something here in the outline, but would you mind just giving us some brief background on how the structure and the the competition itself works with the round robin setup and the green and red groups and how you advance in the setting yeah so it is interesting with this uh this round robin format and then having so many alternates come in it's kind of weird ben and i were uh, talking about it beforehand and, and and how that would all shake out but generally speaking alternates aside you know, first comes first serve is is the wins versus the losses. If you win your match, that's great. If you lose your match, that's that's not good. But there is a high propensity for people to tie in terms of wins and losses, and then it goes down to the number of sets won. Um, whoever won more sets. So even if you win your match, if it's a you win it in three versus if you win it in straight sets. Um, <clears throat> 
there there is still more advantage to winning it in straight sets i guess is what i'm trying to say here um because that could give you the edge over um an opponent who you you're tied with in terms of matches and then it goes down to games after that uh games one percentage but i don't know how often it would ever go down to uh games one but it is there just in case um you need it so every single game counts in this format which is kind of cool uh it gives people a little more fire you know sometimes you know you almost see people tank a set just to get back into the mindset and be come back in the third, but it's like, no, you got to win as quickly and as efficiently as possible in, in this. And I think that's kind of cool. Now for the alternates, I think they're a little bit behind the gun here, which is unfortunate. Uh, Nori just lost to rude today. So he almost assuredly will not get a spot in the semifinals. He'll face Djokovic next. And Djokovic has already clinched it, so I'm not sure <laughs> what weight is going to be behind that match whatsoever. Um, but even should he win straight sets over Djokovic, I think the winner of Rublev and Rude will will take the semifinal there. And then uh, Medvedev, as you said, already clinched it in the red group, but um, Sinner actually won against Hercatch in straights, so he could potentially still make the semifinals here. Um, her catch almost assuredly out. Berrettini has pulled out. So it's going to come down to his match against uh, Medvedev, I believe. And then Zverev will be playing her catch. So if Zverev loses, it could it could make things very interesting, even if Sinner loses, depending on how each of them lose. Um, however, if Zverev wins... I think Sinner's out for sure. So it'll uh, that'll be the red group will be the one to watch, um, and then also Rublev Varud uh, in in the green group up here. But um, yeah, uh, team Team Europe doing pretty well for themselves here. Uh, who do you who do you like overall in this, Ben? <laughs> Great question. If you were to ask my very audacious side you already know that as soon as they put sinner into the mix i very foolishly said he's gonna he's gonna take the whole thing he's the hometown guy mm-hmm. he's gonna have the crowds rolling behind him he is going to beat Djokovic and medvedev that seems impossible because it is impossible <laughs> That's what I would love to see happen though that would be pretty incredible if an alternate could step in there and really make it work um to be honest, I'm pretty much of the opinion that we're going to see now for the third time in recent months this Djokovic-Medvedev showdown. Um, I think this is going to happen again, and I'm still having a hard time deciding which one of them is going to come through, but if I had to follow my gut, I'd probably say Djokovic at this point, mainly because I think in best two out of three, he seems to have something figured out about the Medvedev mentality and I don't think Djokovic, honestly, is the type of player, given his historic accomplishments, who's going to lose that U.S. Open final and not learn enough from it to beat Medvedev almost every time that they play again in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's how I think this one is going to play out. 
Um, you do have your wild cards here, though, right? I mean, you've got Zverev, who's won this before. You've got Medvedev, who has also won this before. It's not like Djokovic always wins the ATP Finals when he's in it. Um, that's there's that's by no means a done deal. I just think this year, given the circumstances and given the kind of ups and downs, I think he's still on an upward swing, and he's been playing really well on these indoor surfaces. So that's how I feel about it. Um, do you have any calls of who could come through here? Uh, no, honestly, I, I'm very much on the same wavelength as you. Um, I am a little bit surprised at how well Djokovic is playing. Mm -hmm. I thought he might have a little bit of a hangover after that U S open, but he came back and won Paris relatively easy. I would say, um, a little bit of a fight against Medvedev in the final, but I, I don't know. It, it just seemed like he, Looking back at it, he he was always in control um, that tournament. So I'm inclined to side with you in terms of uh, Djokovic beating Medvedev in this final, most likely. Um, but we've seen Medvedev, like you say, said, win this tournament before. He he loves these faster indoor hard courts. So does Djokovic, for that matter. But um, that this is really attuned to Medvedev's game. So. Uh, I thought he would have won Paris and he didn't. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, it, that's, that, that's just why I lean Djokovic, but, um, you know, and I, I would have loved Sinner to do well here. And I, I think these are great conditions for him as well, but, um, Medvedev is just such a good counter puncher. I, I think he's just going to be able to use everything Sinner throws at him right against him. And it's not a great matchup there which is unfortunate because should he, you know, land differently in the groups or in the seating or been here the whole time, I think he, he would have had a good shot to make it to at least the semifinals. And, and yeah, it, Zverev, of course, was a very, very, very tight match against Medvedev. And that's his, his only loss here. So I wouldn't count him out either. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on, Djokovic just probably edging out Medvedev. Um, and I think that was a really good point about him learning from that U.S. Open loss because that is something that Novak does so well. He always seems so prepared. He always comes into matches. You know, we've seen him be sluggish, but he always comes into matches knowing what he has to do. And he's probably one of the best executors of, of all, you know, ever in terms of the sport. So, um, yeah, I the more those two play, the more Djokovic is going to figure him out. I think <laughs> that's just what he does. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And call me a cynic, but there was a lot of press about how Djokovic and Medvedev have been practicing together lately. I totally get it. If they are actually buddies and they get along well, that's all cool. But I feel like in that scenario, if you're Medvedev and you're, even if you're given, you know, like visual practice time, to the coaches and to Djokovic himself on that side to start picking apart even your little movements, your footwork, your tweaks, all these things in the practice sets. That's hard, you know, like Djokovic beat him after they did that in Paris. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I also just have the feeling that he's, he's going to have something figured out in that game where he's not going to, he's not going to miss those beats anymore. And he doesn't have the pressure of trying to complete, you know, the full grand slam way in behind true. him. That's, we all know that played a big role at the U.S. Open, but um, 
yeah, so let's see what happens at the ATP Finals. It's a really exciting conclusion to the 2021 season. Um, I Personally, I'm looking forward, Evan, to reflecting in the next couple of weeks on just the season in general and what it's meant for tennis because mm-hmm. I really do think in so many of these tournaments it's been a, a really big, you know, it's been a big change. We've seen a lot of different players come in. The big three, from my view, are more or less out of the picture now in terms of the stature and the normal presence they used to have so i feel like now we're kind of living in the changing of the guard officially Mm -hmm. you know we are now seeing like what this stuff really means um and that's exciting so let's see how the rest of the atp finals goes um now as we move towards the end of the podcast here evan we got a short news recap where we can have some quick discussion points um the first one unfortunately a little bit more of a serious topic but since we are overall yeah tennis podcast this is really big news so it's important to mention it um from the wta side peng shui from china is apparently missing or unaccounted for after she made some uh, comments, which are quite personal, you can read about them in any Google search about a leader of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, there's been a lot of statements now coming out from Djokovic from Osaka, kind of bringing light to the topic, but it is really quite a serious thing. So um, our prayers go out to her and hope that everything is okay for her and her family and that it's not as serious as it appears to be. But just wanted to mention that in case you're following the tennis world and you hadn't come across it yet. Um, moving into a little bit lighter news, but also more, you know, uh, definitely still interesting tennis news. Uh, Djokovic, Evan, this last week has essentially clinched now another record, being the longest spot at world number one. And since we can't go without um, any podcast episode without mentioning Roddick, <laughs> we do have something in here. <laughs> which is basically just one of his classic tennis channel takes, which apparently he is still doing fully remote. He's always just like wearing some hat and yep. doing this from his computer. <laughs> so I feel like he's just got them figured out. But so Djokovic overtook Sampras and the Roddick take was essentially that you can tell he's not yet giving the full GOAT assignment or a credibility, let's say, to Djokovic, but he more or less has said that that argument is almost inevitable, right? As soon as Djokovic clinches the Grand Slam count, then it's over, from from basically what he has said in this statement. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think there will be... not? We're, we're not going into the GOAT discussion here. We're trying to keep this podcast... We will do that in the off-season. We will have a whole one de- dedicated to this, perhaps, as you know, but... <laughs> Do you think there's some clout to that, that now it is an inevitable feeling that Djokovic is, is pretty much that guy and we're just kind of waiting for it to happen? Or what do you think? I uh, Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, there's really not much you can say at this point other than the fact that he's tied in the Grand Slam race. But if you look at everything else, it's it's all Djokovic. So... Yeah. Um, if you know, I know you don't want to get into the conversation, but uh, if and when he gets twenty-one, you know, and I guess in 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 my view, it'll it'll all come down to when the guys retire, um, and where they're at, and Djokovic has by far, in my opinion, the best chance by the time he retires to have the most accolades. I'll put it that way. Yeah. 
So I, I agree with Roddick on that point, I think. That's a good point. And I'm also in the same camp generally. Um, I'm not sure how, how else that's actually going to play out in the future, right? It just seems like there's still mm-hmm. so much time for Djokovic to come into that. Um, and, you know, he's he's the GOAT for so many other topics as it is anyways. The, then the conversation kind of starts becoming useless depending on how you even want to define GOAT across mm-hmm. the three guys. So we'll get into that one. It's a very interesting topic. We'll leave it for the tennis nerds in a later a later podcast uh, <laughs> coming up in a couple of weeks or months. Um, the last piece of news that you brought to my attention, Evan, is that Federer in both English and German press now is really not looking too promising, honestly, for the mm-hmm. 2022 season. So Australia is definitely out. It's looking like Wimbledon even is pretty questionable. So unfortunately, it's not clear what good old Fed is going to be up to in 2022, other than living a wonderful life and you know doing all the other ridiculous things he does off the court. But tennis-wise, it's really not clear what we're going to get. Is it going to be moved towards potentially retirement? Is it going to be some further postponement of getting back on court for one last hurrah? I don't know. It just seems kind of vague to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he released some statements uh, today saying, quote, I would be incredibly surprised if I were to play Wimbledon in mm-hmm. 2022. Um, so that's not, that's not good news. Uh, that's obviously coming from the medical experts that he's, he's conversing with. Um, but he does still seem very motivated to, you know, ultimately quote, reach a grand slam final. So I don't know. The guy has, has done some incredible things in the past. I'm never going to count him out until he's actually out. So, um, it is sad because I thought, for sure he'd be back in 2022 Wimbledon, but um, I kind of thought that was the goal, but it looks like that's, that's not going to happen. There's going to be more of a, more of a recovery period than we had originally thought, but yeah, you know, wish him all the best and uh, (laughs) hopefully we get to see at least a little bit of him next year. Yeah, totally agree. And it's another tennis nerd podcast that could go on for an hour but he's prime example of basically testing the boundaries of sports mm-hmm. science right like who who even knows what's physically possible it's there's no precedent for it so it, we kind of just have to wait and see what ends up coming back from that experiment as it could call it so yeah. that's some short headline recaps for you all out there um and now before we close things out evan we've got moldy take of the week episode 21 <laughs> and this doesn't have to go any specific way we honestly don't have that many good nominations i think coming out of the last episode and review it in too much detail so we have more of a gag one here but um i do have a short trivia as a part of the moldy take for you okay. evan and it's related to it's related to our own podcast um and it's going to be sort of like a shot in the dark i think um but essentially evan is nominated this week given tommy paul's enormous breakthrough victory in stockholm for ragging on tommy paul in multiple podcast sessions and evan i know this will be (laughs) annoying for you because i also have ragged on tommy paul so i'm not not trying to drag it down there i just think you've had a few more comments notched up over time where you're a true skeptic. I think that's that's <laughs> fair. Um, and uh, there, there it is. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, I got a quote for you here, and 
I basically the trivia is can you guess the changeover episode number in which you had this quote? Um, the quote is for all listeners out there when a particular tournament was taking place, and it gives it away a little bit, but this probably won't help with the number. Um, quote Evan. There is no way Paul's making it out of that first round. That man would have to win three sets after one another. There is no way he will pull that off. <laughs> Tommy, Paul did go on to win that match, surprisingly. Evan, you probably even remember which match it is and which time it was. But I'm starting to pick up on it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But can you guess which episode number it could have been in which you had this quote? Okay. Um... Yeah, so the context here would be three sets, meaning a grand slam, because he would have to win three. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not in the uh, next-gen finals, I know that much. So, um, <laughs> But I think the match that you're talking about would be my pick against him in the first round of Roland Garros against Chris O'Connell. <laughs> it is. You're Chris spot O'Connell on. <laughs> The infamous Chris O'Connell pick. Five sets. <laughs> because I cannot remember. I don't even I guess I don't even remember if he played Australia or or Wimbledon for that matter, but um that one is like the infamous Tommy Paul Grand Slam. Because <laughs> you of course had Tommy Paul. Um but in terms of the episode number, where were we at? We're at twenty-one now. And we've slowed down towards the end of the year, so it's going to be a little weighted towards the backside. But um, um, I will say, okay, so I think take it to the bank was 16. Is that right? I'm going to go with 14. Oh, that was very close, but it's not it. Is it 15? It's not. Was it 16? No. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's as I counted it, episode 13, where you said no, okay. episode 13, which I think was, uh, I think was actually our preview of Roland Garros right before mm-hmm. Take It to the Bank, right. which was one of the, I think was the week, one week pre, uh, review or something like that. Yeah. That we had been discussing it uh, because this was, prior to the O'Connell and Paul match, of course. That's why you were so confident that Paul would not get those three sets. <laughs> and um, it was a barn burner of a match. It was a very close match, and Tommy Paul almost did not squeak out a win there. <laughs> so that's the only thing I've got on the list for you, Evan. As always, you're more than welcome to nominate me for anything. I'm sure there's enough. Um, if Sinner doesn't win the ATP Nitto Finals, you probably have me yeah, back sure. on the list for next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- th- this has to be it, right? We don't have many picks, and um, it's it's just appropriate, I feel like, at this point, after ragging on him for <laughs> an entire year. That's the last <laughs> tournament of the year. He grabs a title against all odds. <laughs> Literally against all odds of all the other people that could have won any tournaments this year ever. And then for him to win that tournament in Stockholm is just, it's unbelievable. It's unreal. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we'll give it to you, but without too much malice, I would say more out of 
comedy, more out of humor. Um, and Tommy Paul gets you gets you even. Tommy Paul gets me even, and I feel like that is fitting. To be a hobo <laughs> on that train rotting in the forest, that is fitting, because I know that's going to do me wrong in about two weeks' time. So <laughs> that's all fair. We're getting we're getting down to the end of the year and we're tied. So this is uh, a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah, you're right. We're going to have to get to like a finale for this. That's probably a whole episode in and of itself. That's something we've yeah. had on the docket for a long time is just simply reviewing and summarizing all the moldy takes from this <laughs> this first season. Let's say of the changeover. That would be very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that would be an editing nightmare, but it would be funny to clip together some of those, <laughs> some of those takes. <laughs> oh yeah, going back and getting the actual clips would be very yeah. difficult, considering we don't do time stamping, but we do have our outlines at least, so we could summarize it minimum verbally. But yeah, so that's another another callback though. If anybody out there is interested in any ideas, anything you want to hear, some analysis, or even just discussion points on. Feel free to email us, send us the details you got. That brings Moldy Take of the Week 9 to 9, closing it at the end of the year here. Unbelievable, Evan. You've caught me again. And uh, it's almost like this thing's planned. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> seems to work out every time. I had a good lead there for a while. It's convenient how you came back. <laughs> you did. I've never had more than a one-point lead on you either. And then I always take like a two, three-point stab because I do something really stupid like a couple episodes in a row. Um <laughs> But that's fit. That's fitting. That's fair. I think that's fine. Um, yeah, that's great. So as a as a closeout, thanks so much again, everybody, for joining us for episode twenty one. Um, keep those views coming in. Feel free to write us if you have any questions, any comments. Yeah, and thanks so much for listening. Yes, and uh, quick side note: we do officially now have an Instagram. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> There are no posts on it. Uh, I'll probably we'll preview that more um, in the coming episodes. But um, be on the lookout because we, we got some big plans for 2022. Um, and this this is just the start of it. So um, thanks again for for listening and everything. And uh, we're, we're not done yet. We ain't leaving. This is only the beginning. Prosperous. <laughs> Have a great night, everybody. All right. <laughs> I'll catch you here.